Welcome to another episode of the Genius Podcast. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called the Genius Project. And the heart and mission of the Genius Project is to resource Catholic women for growth, be that professionally, personally, and spiritually. We do this through online courses, the podcast, and live virtual events. So if you haven't already, go on over and check out the website, www.geniusproject.co. In a couple of months, we will be hosting our live virtual event. If you haven't already registered for the Genius Project live virtual event, Awaken the Dream Within, make sure you do that now. You can register on the events page, www.geniusproject.co. Geniusproject.co. Make sure you book your ticket because seats are limited, even though it is a virtual event. We're hoping to create a real experience that is intimate, dynamic, interactive, and highly engaging. We're going to be bringing this live virtual event to you on a platform not yet used in the Catholic space. And trust me when I say it's amazing. You'll have to excuse my voice this week. I have succumbed to some of the most debilitating hay fever here in Australia where it's spring and the pollen is in the air and all of us are walking around with stuffy noses. So my voice is a little nasally, so please excuse that. I'm so excited about the guest that we're interviewing on this week's episode of the Genius Podcast. Marianne Fidel is going to join me to discuss what it means to talk about authentic beauty inside and out. Now, this beauty trap is something that we can all fall victim to. But in this episode, Marianne really dives into looking at what authentic beauty actually is. Marianne trained as an accountant. She lives in Sydney, Australia, and has one young child. And she runs her own business as a hair, makeup, and inner beauty expert. She's also the host of the Live Beautifully podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Marianne or engage her services, Check her website out, www.marianfidel, which is F-I-D-E-L.com. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Marianne. Oh, Marianne, thank you so much for joining us on the Genius Podcast today. I am so excited to reconnect with you. I think it was maybe 13 years ago we may have met for the first time. That's right, 13 years ago. And thank you so much for having me. I'm equally as excited to be here. I was thinking about that too. Geez, like 13 years since the first time I heard you speak. And it's just blown my mind, actually. (laughs) No, it has because. It was an eyewitness. I think, uh, I don't even know what year that was, but it was an eyewitness. And it's the first time I'd heard yourself and Jonathan speak. And there are a few things you'd said in in the talk that you gave that have stuck with me all this time. Oh, fantastic. I'm so glad it was a blessing. And and I remember <laughs> meeting you there, but then I remember it was a few years later where I was recording or filming The Genius Project, which is a <laughs> online course, Unpacking the Feminine Genius. And you were one of the young women, like we did a fireplace discussion in a friend's home. And you really stood out to me uh, above <laughs> a lot of the women because you articulated so beautifully and so precisely on a woman's worth and her value. And this really stood out. And so I guess it's interesting 
to see to reconnect with you now and yeah, see that you're so actually <laughs> yeah like you're actually working in the beauty industry now and you run your own business and you've done incredible things it's just absolutely amazing but i guess one thing that i'd love to do in today's podcast is unpack this theme of beauty and and so that's going to be a conversation that we'll have but can you fill in the blanks for me from like 11 years ago today (laughs) to how like your journey how did you go from being at that fireplace discussion now to running a really successful business in the beauty industry Oh, geez, Karen, when you're saying this fireplace conversation, I just, I'm just having this cringe moment. Lucky you can't see me, but I'm just thinking of myself 11 years ago and what I could have said. Geez. Um, you said it but, perfectly, Mike. <laughs> but when you, but when we had that discussion, I was, I think I, I would have been in uni. Yes, you were. Um, still trying to figure out my place in the world, what I wanted to do professionally, who I was as a woman trying to figure out where I stood with men and what I wanted in a long time, long-term relationship, all of, all of the above, yes. all of the things, all the normal yes. things that young women go through. And I suppose at that time I was studying to be an accountant. So my secret business is that I am actually a professional accountant. So Which is a little I, different to the, the beauty a industry. A little bit different. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I, I don't know what it was, but when I was 16, I just very distinctly remember writing down in my diary, I don't know if it was like life goals or something, what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I've always been such a creative person, whether it be drawing, art, anything, like I've just always been creative. And I remember one of the things I wrote down of what I wanted to do when I grew up, if you say that, was I just wanted to work with women, empower women. I wanted to I don't know, all this stuff about beauty and relationships and self-worth, like I was all, all into that. I was, I just love the idea of that. It just made me really happy and excited. And then as you do, you finish school and then everyone goes to uni. And then I think, oh yeah, I suppose I should go to uni. And then I ended up doing accounting, not saying I don't like it. I, I I have done that professionally for many years. (laughs) Exactly. But then, um, somewhere along the journey, I became unwell. Okay. So I had overworked, fallen into this, I suppose, following along the path of going to uni, getting a job. So I ended up working on all the um, big accounting firms, yes. really questioning where I was going. And then until I got to this point, um, at that time, um, one of the relationships I was in just ended. I was, you know, trying to find my way through full-time accounting life. (laughs) And then um, after a few years, I think probably two or three years down the track, I had a burnout at age 24, which is quite young for a burnout. But I'm just one of those people that I put my heart into everything I do. And I was putting my heart into everything going in the wrong direction. (laughs) Not wrong. I wouldn't say wrong direction. I don't regret anything, but it's just that I was following the status quo. You know, I I got into an accounting degree. Everyone was going for these big roles, which I just did what everyone else was doing without really questioning where I was going, if that makes sense. And what you wanted. And what I wanted to do and all that. So anyway, it's, it's all good. And it's, I think a lot of people and, and maybe even our generation go through some kind of burnout because I think there's a lot of pressure to perform 
Absolutely. In many, many ways. I think yes. we live in a bit of a performance culture. So whether that be professionally or in a group of friends or even this in this beauty space, which we can unpack in a little bit. Yeah. Just, so I was just going along and eventually um, my mom encouraged me to do something creative again, to revive my spirit, uh, to revive my creative nature, yeah. if you could say that. So yeah. then that's when I went into professional academy for makeup. So I trained professionally as a makeup artist. And then I started just doing makeup for friends. You know, they'll, they'll come to me asking, oh, can you do my makeup for this event or that event? And then eventually I got into hair as well. Yes. And then I landed a wedding and then another wedding. And now I specialize in bridal hair and makeup. And yeah. along the way have also given talks on beauty and inner beauty because I suppose my stance is that although I do love the hair and makeup, I'm also very passionate about linking the external and internal beauty Absolutely. to yes. a woman and their worth because I don't know, I just I just am a huge believer that our exterior beauty should be reflecting what's on the inside first. Mm-hmm. And although I do love the practical hair and makeup side of it, yes. I also am very conscious and I have to hold myself to this and remind myself and kind of wake myself up sometimes not to get just swept away in the superficiality of cosmetics or hair and makeup only not saying if you do wear makeup that you're superficial it's just that if you focus only on that then we do well I can run the risk of falling just into the the superficial side of that yeah absolutely yeah so true and I think that you know I mean from the youngest age we are fed lies about our worth as women and (laughs) we are just fed that this lie that our worth is actually grounded in how good our body is or how pretty we look or how attractive we are or what outfit we're wearing when really like you're saying like true beauty comes from the inside so I think about the women who I actually think are beautiful as in physically attractive And it's not so much their actual physical qualities that make them beautiful in my eyes as it is there's something that just shines from the inside out. So there's a a young girl, I was talking to my daughter about this, there's a young girl she knows and she wouldn't look pretty in the eyes of Cleo or Cosmo but she is the most beautiful 13-year-old girl I've ever met because she just radiates joy. And Mm. her face comes alive because you're right, there's something on the inside of her that is truly beautiful. And and I think this is where we want to go in this podcast episode today is really unpacking this for women because even if we're grounded in our faith or, you know, we're we're pretty common sense women, I think all Mm -hmm. of us can fall victim to this one don't you? That comparison trap and the self-doubting, the self-improving, the shaming, all of it. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Do you see this in the beauty industry? Oh, big time. Oh, I see, honestly, especially when I do makeup, right? I could have the prettiest girls sit in my makeup chair. Yes. And no joke, sometimes they are sometimes the most insecure. And I'll just give you an example. I think I, I did a photo shoot. I don't know how many months ago now that was, but we had professional models come and, you know, they, they were doing the shoot. And normally when I, you know, 
me being me. I just I just take before and after photos and I love posting yes. the before and after. Not to be like, wow, look how good my makeup is. But no, it's because I don't want my page just to be all these pretty girls with this perfect looking makeup, right? Yes. I like seeing the before and after. And the comment that I get quite often is when people see my before and after photos that the makeup looks actually like the before photo. Like yes. I said, they don't look too different because that's the point, right? You don't want to see the before photo and then shock horror. There's this other person on the other end. No. Right? So normally I say, oh, do you mind if I take your before shot? And normally people are like, oh, okay. Like they might feel a bit shy or whatever. And, sure. and it's really funny because some people are actually like, do you want me to like frown so that the other <laughs> photo looks better? I'm like, no, just look <laughs> be yourself. Natural. <laughs> yeah, be natural. It's beautiful. Like both of them I see as beautiful, right? But going back to this photo shoot I did and some of these, okay, some of these girls were drop dead gorgeous. But then when I asked, oh, do you mind if I take your before photo? They're like, no way. Or fine, you can take it, but that's not going anywhere. Right? And I was like, geez, what is, this is really interesting because for most people, We'd probably look at models, for example, and idolize them, right? Being like, oh, if only I look like this person or my nose was like this or my mouth or whatever. We could just nitpick at ourselves like forever. Yeah. And then here we are. We have these models who I don't normally get that kind of, um, I suppose, that response Mm. where they're so ashamed. Well, not, I'm not saying they, sorry, I don't want to sound like I'm generalizing. This was from that experience and it's happened a few times, right? Yeah. But here are these beautiful models ashamed of what they look like without the makeup. Whereas I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So this comparison is, I mean, none of us are exempt from feeling the comparison. And, you know, a lot of us can be here comparing to these models and then the models themselves are not happy with how they look. That's right. Which I find absolutely mind-blowing. Well, it's so insightful, isn't it? Because I think it's just, it's important. And I I have two daughters and Mm. they're 13 and 9 and I think just trying to let them know that, that even these models are really insecure that they're not these super confident beauties that they're portrayed in so much of the media. And and also sometimes I think the reality is that a lot of the photos we do see are very either uh, airbrushed or if people use those filters on them. So in a way, sometimes we can compare ourselves who are real life breathing women (laughs) to these unrealistic expectations of beauty sometimes. Absolutely. And I think that's what I love about your makeup is you're right. It has this very natural element. So you're not actually changing how a person looks. You're really enhancing their their features. Yes, that is the goal. (laughs) Yes, but you do it so well. And I I just, yeah, I went through your Insta page. I love the before and after because you're right. That's something that actually stood out to me was, oh, my goodness, these women are so beautiful, but the makeup is just enhancing that. It's not (laughs) their appearance. (laughs) I remember when I first started in the industry and I used to think that the more drastic the change was, the better the makeup was. But if anything, the drastic change could have just meant that you've just completely changed how they look. And and when I I talk with my brides and building or creating a, a, a look that they're comfortable with on the wedding day, what I always say is that you just want to be 
like a special version of yourself, not someone completely different. You don't want to be walking Absolutely. down the aisle and your husband to be is like, <laughs> "Well, is that my <laughs> is that my Karen? Is that my Jessica?" You know, so <laughs> who is that? <laughs> yeah, who is that girl? Uh, so yeah, so it's really about enhancing as opposed to changing yes. how you look. I find. I think you're right in that so many women hide behind or they construct this persona that they Mm -hmm. present to the world and it's really about what they think others want to see rather than this idea of discovering who they are and then being that person in the world because when we're uniquely us, when we do us, then that is a gift to other people. I think it gives others permission. And I think so many women are just caught in that comparison trap, like you said, and then constructing these masks to hide behind. And I think a true beauty is really about a heart posture, is about having an internal state of the heart which connects with your unique value, worth and dignity. And I then, love that, Karen. Oh, that's the first time I've heard that. It sounds, it's so true. Well, I think it is. It's like posture. You know, you talk, there's talks on TED Talks about, you know, the posture that you need to have when you're going to an interview to like yes. the power posture. But I think when we're talking about beauty, there is this heart posture where our soul and our heart has to almost arise in a similar way. But it comes from knowing who we are and mm-hmm. knowing who we've been created to be, I guess, as the beloved daughter of God, as, as you know, as unique and unrepeatable human persons. And so there is no one else like you or like me. No one else can bring what you can bring to the world. No one can bring what I can in the way that I bring it and so I think the heart posture of beauty is really about connecting with our unique worth but I don't think many women do this because we've been told that we need to be things for other people and so we get lost and we we learn this from such a young age that you need to be good and you need to be responsible and you need to be pretty and do you know what I mean like the the pretty girls get the wins or the the good girls get the A's or the good girls get the attention or whatever it is, we're told from a young age. And I think a lot of women in their 20s, I know the women that I've walked with, they go through this season of feeling a little bit lost. And I think I'm in my 40s now and it's quite a lovely season because I'm just really comfortable now in my own skin. But I definitely wasn't like that at 16 at all. (laughs) I don't know who is at 16, honestly. (laughs) And I think it's part of the journey of really, I mean, I have two daughters, so this is close to my heart because it's about teaching them from a young age that they're beautiful and connecting them with their worth. And so I think one of the things that you're really passionate about is helping women to, to take that journey, but it's from the inside to the outside and, and doing that in a very deliberate and intentional way because I think that yeah. makes makes a big difference for women but uh, yeah. yeah I think what you said is really important to acknowledge that it is genuinely a journey that we go on honestly yeah. well I think okay I'm 31 now yes. <laughs> and it's the first time in my whole entire life that I actually feel like I can just be myself, which sounds yes. so lame as if no. I took 31 years to grow up, right? <laughs> but I think it's more a matter of alignment, it's I find. A, what you said yes. about having your, um, when you were describing the heart posture, yeah. my word of the year is alignment in uh, that I, like I that am word. finally 
doing what I feel like I have been called to do in a, in a yes. certain way. Like I'm living in my zone of genius, if you yes. will, that I'm doing something that I'm uniquely good at and embracing who I am. Yeah. But I haven't always been this way. Like I literally feel so liberated, but it hasn't always been this way. I went through years and years of self-torture, not intentional, by the way. It was a lot of that, what you were talking about, that comparison culture, comparing to my friends, comparing to what I see on social media, comparing to what I see on TV, in in movies, everywhere, because it's almost as if as part of that journey, we're looking for something to measure up against to see how am I going where where am I going or you know we need some sort of benchmark to compare against and where humans would just look to see what's around us and that's what we'll compare against Mm. so I, I really like what you said in acknowledging that it is actually a journey that every woman has to go through for so many years I didn't actually realize that it was a journey I used to just think there was something wrong with me but that is how I looked and then second of all what's wrong with me for feeling all of these feelings yes because no one talks about feeling insecure or feeling vulnerable or feeling unhappy with their hair or their nose or their yes body right it's all about trying to look like you've got it together all the time and that your body is perfect your outfits are perfect or whatever I'm just making things up now but I I I didn't actually realize that it was a journey to go on until I get to the other end and of course I'll still be journeying through different things over through life but that main bulk of finding my place in the world and discovering what I'm good at and what I should be spending my time those kinds of things I feel like by just acknowledging the journey, that would give women a sense of, I mean, it's not that everyone, anyone even needs permission, but it almost can give them that permission to be like, you know what, I'm in a season of doubt right now, or I am in a season of still trying to discover who I am and then be okay with that. Because I used to feel like if I was doubting myself, I was, there's something wrong with me and I just had low self-esteem and I was just Mm -hmm. failing at something because I was, you know, but but if you are in a season of self-discovery, embrace it. Yeah. I think that is in itself is so liberating because you then know that there is hope that you won't always be in this season. Absolutely. Although, do you think, Karen, that some people stay stuck in that season because it's almost like they don't actively embark on the journey, so they're just constantly yes. chasing totally. a particular, um, what do you call it? Can I refer to, there's this, there's this mentor I used to have. And she actually refers to this as the beauty treadmill. Yeah. So rather than embarking on this journey that you had had explained, they always have this beauty benchmark based on what they see in social media or in TV or wherever, whatever they set the benchmark to be. And then they're just constantly on this treadmill chasing this thing, one thing after the other. And so that they're actually not even going anywhere. And when it comes to self-acceptance, because that instead of facing the uncomfortable vulnerability that you need to uncover first, they're just constantly chasing what they think they should look like or what they think they should be. And they're just on this beauty treadmill and just can't seem to get off it. And I think it's, I really love when she says that because I think it's so uh, real. Totally, absolutely. And I like the idea of just running, 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 frantically, <laughs> not getting yeah. anywhere. It's so true. I, I think back, as you were saying that, I remember being, I think I was 15 and going to the shops, trying to find some clothes. Now, back in the day, this is going to be embarrassing, but what was really <laughs> cool, <laughs> wear denim jeans up right up 
over your waist with a white t-shirt and your black school shoes like that and was black school shoes cool. I was when you said the jeans and the shirt I was like oh that's pretty much coming back in it's now but back the in. black school shoes. <laughs> I know. it was so cool but the thing was I could never find jeans that fit my body I just so yeah. I remember being in change rooms going through so much angst trying to find jeans and getting really really stressed out at like 15 yeah. or 17 years <laughs> of age because I couldn't find jeans that worked for me I was trying to wear the Levi's which today are really daggy but back then they were like the ultimate and they just didn't work for me like I'm five foot right that's how tall I am and so they just didn't work but I would tie myself in knots and get so worked up and so upset because these jeans didn't Mm. fit me but it's such a lovely journey I think it was in my 20s where I just started shopping for clothes that fit my body Rather than, like you said, the beauty benchmark of the school shoes, the Levi's and the white T-shirt, which is actually really daggy. But instead of having that benchmark, I started shopping for things that fit me. And, Mm -hmm. And whether it's fitting us physically or fitting us interiorly, like we have to take that journey because there's a beautiful quote that says, the glory of God is man or woman fully alive. And I truly believe that we become fully alive when we are living, like you say, in our zone of genius, when we're living the fullness of who God created us to be. And I think that we do that and it's a process of this journey of of coming to a place of self-acceptance, which I think in many ways comes with age. So in some ways you can't force it earlier. You can't. (laughs) It's a maturity thing and it's just finally realising that, oh, I'm like this or I'm short so I'm not going to be able to wear these clothes or whatever it is or just even in your heart like coming to a heart posture of acceptance of who you are and what you have to give to the world but you touched on something that you said women often stay stuck and I see this in my work with women it's almost more comfortable to stay in dysfunction than it is to move out into freedom And I think that's really, really sad because women rob themselves, not only themselves, but they're robbing their husbands, their children and and the world around them with the gift of who they actually are when they, they choose to stay stuck. And I believe it is a choice in some ways. Yeah. And, and I think that's really true, Karen. And I think one of the reasons why, I mean, this is just Marianne's theory, right? I'm not an expert by uh, any you're means. Pretty close. You're pretty close. But just what, <laughs> from what, it. like, just working with the hundreds of women I've worked with, I think, and also, well, before that, it's mainly because I've been through it myself, right? Yeah. Of this, even yeah. getting to a point of self loathing. And I think that what can take a while to get you out of that comfort zone and out of that being in that state is that you. You have to go through what you mentioned about self-acceptance, but to get there, it's really to go through and hash out what are my biggest fears as a woman. And I think if I can summarize what I have seen, I've been exposed to one of the most common answers to what is my biggest fear for women, it's that, that fear of not being enough. Yes, I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful enough because if I'm not enough, maybe that means I'm not worthy of love. Yes. And that is like the biggest shock horror, scary, scariest thing anyone could ever say. And it's actually really, it's crazy how it's all coming full circle now, Karen. But the reason why you've been so influential in my life without you even knowing it, but (laughs) you, 
you mentioned something in your talk about 12 or 13 years ago that I heard you speak. And what really stuck with me was that you mentioned something about how that one of the deepest longings of a woman's heart yeah. is to be loved, chosen, and cherished. Yeah. And when you said that, it was like someone or you actually was speaking directly to me or something, something really struck a chord within me because I felt like it just really summarized a lot of what I was going through in terms of my own struggles and why I was trying so hard to fit in, why I was trying so hard to be beautiful, why I was trying so hard to be liked by the guys, for example. Yes. And if, when you strip all of that away, I felt like all I really, really wanted was I just wanted to be loved for who I am and cherish the way I was. Yes, absolutely. But to get to the point of accepting that that's actually what I wanted, I felt like I had to, I mean, I'm saying this as if it was so easy, right? But it took me a few years to get there. But I think it over the years, even though I knew that was my destination of what I wanted to just accept and accept and embrace, to get there, I just had to face the fear of not being good enough and the fear of not being loved. Yes. And then once I once I got over that, once I was like, okay, well, what if I don't have eyebrows like this and yes. people don't love me because my eyebrows actually have a gap and they're <laughs> so, I don't know, whatever, right? Yes. And then, and then I'm like, what if they don't love me? And then I'm like, well, then what can I do? Like, these are my eyebrows. <laughs> so then, and then, and then I'm just like, oh, actually it's not that bad. And then maybe if, 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 you know, my husband loves me with these particular eyebrows, not these perfect looking eyebrows or whatever, right? Yes. Then he loves me and that's all I need. And actually it's not so bad. Like, do you know what I mean? But it's just yeah. getting over that fear. I mean, you can rationalize it however you want, right? But I think it's just getting over that um, I yes. suppose the initial discomfort of facing your actual fears and once you face the fears head on, then yes. you realize it is actually not as bad and maybe your eyebrows aren't as bad as what you originally thought, yeah. then then I feel like that is the first step. But you're right. I think sometimes it's much easier to stay where you are than face your biggest fears yes. in that area. Yeah. And uh, if I can just, sorry, you go. No, go ahead. No, if I could just go back to something you mentioned about, you know, your, your denim jeans and your white shirt and your school shoes. <laughs> and, my black school you, shoes. and your black school shoes. <laughs> so bad. If, if you think about it, Karen, these beauty benchmarks have just changed over time. Yeah. One minute it's your black school shoes. And then next minute it's going to be fluoro pink I don't know, actually, sunglasses. Actually, it was. Going back to the 80s, this is the oh, other geez. thing that was really cool. <laughs> so this is before your time. So if there's anyone in my age group, they'll understand. But in the 80s to school, we had these three-tiered skirts. Now, they were black with white polka dots and you wore a fluorescent T-shirt. But the socks, you had to wear a white sock with a pink sock over the top but on the oh opposite side you wore it the opposite way so when you turn the socks over one was pink and one was white with black oh my god it's I know so it's getting worse okay no one will want to listen to this again they'll be like Do you no 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 Karen's fashion advice but but this is the thing Karen we're laughing about it now but 
people agonize over these things and even now you've got people in change rooms and we can talk about this later as well but sometimes we we compare ourselves to certain fashion trends that come throughout time and just change because if you think about it these are businesses that have to keep selling right and things come in and out of fashion but the thing is a lot of these styles suit certain body types that's but right. then what happens to everyone else who doesn't suit that particular body type? Does that mean there's something wrong with you? Yeah. Of course not, right? But yes. we just compare against these standards which change over time. And is that is your self-worth or your beauty depending on a standard that keeps changing over time and is Absolutely. dictated by a large business or a particular industry? Exactly. Whatever it is, right, rather than looking at yourself as a whole person. Yes. You know, I, I Karen, you, you probably think this is crazy, but part of my beauty journey, I was trying to lose a whole lot of weight when I was younger. I remember, I don't know, at some sometimes eating like a little cracker for lunch. Yeah. Now, I did lose a lot of weight. I quit soft drink. I did all these extreme things. I went for a run absolutely every single day. Rain, hell or shine. Maybe not hell, but raining. Yes, okay. I've done that. But yeah. was I really happy? Was I really living my best self, like my best life, being my best self? Like I might have been a smaller dress size, but I was hungry. Yeah, <laughs> hungry. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, like a bit of a mess inside. And I think, yeah, sometimes we can get trapped into, you know, trying to fit into smaller dress sizes or these externals that we don't look at ourselves as a whole. Person. How is my, how is my, you're like, how is my heart posture, as you say? How yes. is my mental headspace? How is my, um, attitude towards myself how's my self-talk like just as a whole person I think that's the main thing and when I if I can go back to what I was saying about alignment like I said it's my 2020 word of the year but yeah it's really it's it's really about what if is what I'm wearing reflecting what I believe and what I value on the inside so Marianne I'm interested like in the genius podcast what I really love to give women is some practical tools and strategies to take home with them because we can talk about this stuff but we need to make it real and concrete so people can actually (laughs) experience transformation right like because that's the whole point and I guess that's the heart of the genius project is resourcing Catholic women towards growth and so in this area of beauty I'm really interested in how women can do this on a practical level like what are some things that you can give them some nuggets of gold to take home and actually put into practice so they can begin doing this journey doing this and living this this is great no I love this this is what I live for (laughs) this is where I I get really excited because I find that I mean Sometimes when people intertwine faith into the beauty realm, it's very easy to stereotype on both sides, right? Yes, it is. Stereotype, if you wear makeup, it means you're superficial. And if you don't wear makeup, it means that you don't really value yourself and, yeah, nothing special about you. Carry on kind of thing. Like, And I just find it such a dangerous trap to compare and to stereotype on both sides of the coin. Yes. And I find that sometimes, I'm really glad you asked this question actually, because I find that sometimes um, when people try to live out their faith, for example, they can focus all on the prayer or the spiritual side and then forget that we're actually still living on this world. I don't think that God would be 
you know, oh, I just deserve all the praise and all the glory. Like he made this planet. He made this earth. He made you. He made everyone. And I genuinely believe that every woman is more beautiful than any picturesque landscape. Yeah. And anyone will look at a landscape and be like, oh, wow, how beautiful or whatever it is. Right. So when it comes to the practical, I just, before I go into the practical, sorry, I know you did ask me a practical question and here I am waffling. I just, I just think it's really important to, to explain that yes, inner and outer beauty, they align. And yes, the heart posture is so crucial to the beginning and then comes the exterior beauty. And I think equally are just as important as the other because you can actually communicate volumes about who you are and inspire people about your character or your faith or what you stand for, what you believe in without speaking a word by how you look on the outside as well. And I think a lot of women can get stuck thinking that, uh, how do you say this, Karen, when it's like, well, I think be humble. It's, you know, when it's like to be humble, I just don't want to stand out too much or I don't want to draw attention to myself Yes, or, I'll just not make an effort with how I look. I'm just going to be humble, just be dis- just disappear, for example, right? But if you think about what true humility is, true humility is truth. And it's almost as if if you're not actually living out your the fullness of your beauty, then you are doing yourself and potentially God a disservice because you were made to be this beautiful masterpiece and you're almost denying yourself that 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 delight or whatever. Absolutely. whatever it is right? sorry yeah. i'm getting stuck now but to just but just to get to that place in order to reconcile and align your inner and outer beauty and now i promise i'm going into the practical no you're fine first step <laughs> the first step i highly recommend is to reflect yeah and although i know a lot a lot of people probably already do this self-reflection maybe or maybe not the first thing is really to think about who am i as a person yeah. Where am I on my beauty journey? What do I value? Like, what do I personally value? Yes. And after you can, st- oh, what are my biggest fears? Sorry, that is the main one that we need to yeah. tackle first. What are my biggest fears? And then after we we tackle some of these questions, then you can start thinking about things like, okay, so what do I actually want to portray about myself? You know, when yes. someone meets me, what do they want? What do I want them to think? Do they want? Do they? Do, is it that I'm stylish? Is it that I'm, you know, whatever it is, is it that I am professional? Is it that I perceive myself in a particular way? Because I think a lot of people subconsciously will dress to reflect the inside in whatever state you're in. Right. I will have a conversation, Karen, about being stuck inside for a bit too long during COVID (laughs) and like not knowing how to do life afterwards and actually dressing properly. I know know. my daughter said to me, like, because we're doing online learning, which nearly killed me, but I was wearing my Ugg boots, my tracksuit pants and Jonathan's gym jumper and I think my (laughs) underwear and my clothes underneath, but I would wear that jumper every day for a week. And finally my youngest said, mum, are you going to wear some other clothes? (laughs) (laughs) And then I remember the following week I had a shower and I dressed nicely. I put some makeup on. It's just like, oh, you look much better. <laughs> yeah. Well, but my, but my beauty, like that had an impact on my kids, right? 
Yeah, so I think absolutely. how we hold ourselves, and it's not just about physical appearance. Like you said, we, we don't want to be superficial. We are deep women of faith. But it's like you said, how we present, how we choose to move in the world has an impact on others. And, and we know that the transcendentals are truth, beauty, and goodness. So beauty is actually prized by God mm-hmm. as one of the ways that he reveals himself to people on this earth. So absolutely. And in saying that, Karen, if you think of it that way, I mean, you could be, well, you are bringing God to someone just by looking at you without you saying anything, just by experiencing your beauty, because beauty is also an experience. Yes, it is. And that's why even my podcast is called Live Beautifully, because I believe that beauty isn't just what you put on your face. It's how you live your life, which is also your values, your virtues, all of the above, right? Yes, it is. So the first point was to reflect about what I want people to think about who I am as a person or what who I want to portray myself to be as a person, as opposed to concentrating about what others think of me because I think a lot of us can get stuck in that trap of focusing on what other people think right so I try to go back down to who do I want to portray myself as and then after that is what is then you can start going into what do I actually like in terms of clothing in terms of makeup do I even like those black school shoes uh, (laughs) jeans combination Or do I like this Uh -uh. floral skirt, you know? So then once you start thinking about who I am and start thinking about what you like, it can almost give you that freedom to be like, you know what, that black school shoes, jeans thing isn't working for me. I don't think I need to force myself into that if that's not, if that doesn't resonate with who I am. Yes. Yeah. And then once, then you can start thinking about what is my style? What, what, what do I gravitate towards? So then you can just free yourself of that, right? Yeah. And then second step that I highly, highly recommend is then to learn what looks good on you. So you made a really good point that you couldn't find jeans that quite fit you right. So then learn your body shape, learn your colors, what looks good on my pink undertone or my warm undertone. And this is something I'm super passionate about because I think a lot of us can get stuck thinking there's something wrong with us and just trying to find a mishmash of a wardrobe and all this just for the sake of buying clothes or wearing clothes. And and I'll give you an example about how important it is to learn what looks good on you. So for example, on the weekend, I gave a seminar, an online seminar about building a capsule wardrobe. And as part of that, before you even go through your selection is to learn about what looks good on you. So when I was preparing this, I actually did a trial on my sister. Oh. I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but she was shared with me coincidentally, right? She didn't know I was doing this presentation and she was sharing with me, you know, can you come shopping with me or help me with my wardrobe I just feel like I can't do clothes I just don't feel like myself in what I wear like you know she's feeling a bit yeah um, you know not herself not quite yeah like she's a bit down um because it can have that impact on you right and then when we went through her body shape we did some quizzes and we figured out the colors that she liked wearing and we did her color palette all we did was we, we even put together like a little Pinterest board of the cuts that suit her, the colors that she liked. She just looked at that and was like, wow, that, she just got so excited about it. And basically she said that she just fell into having a wardrobe of clothes, feeling like she had nothing to wear because she was buying things for the sake of shopping. Like she'd be shopping for three hours, not get anything. And like, oh, fine, this will do. 
Yes. Yeah. Right. So a lot of us can do that. So if you learn what looks good on you and have like a clear, almost like a little formula of, okay, this is Karen's wardrobe and that that's what Karen looks good in yes. and that's what Karen's going to buy. And it's not dictated by style, like the seasons or whatever it is. You're just going to buy items of clothing that you know will work for you and work with other things in your wardrobe. Yeah, absolutely. So, That is my second, is to invest time in learning what looks good for you. And then you can stop agonizing over things you don't look good in because maybe they weren't made for your body type anyway or for your style. (laughs) So we can save ourselves a lot of, um, I suppose, the the unnecessary angst in that regard. And I I definitely go through this myself too, okay? I'm not saying like I've never done it. I do it a lot. And (laughs) I've only recently this year created my own capsule wardrobe and I threw out all the things that weren't, I suppose, in line with what worked for me. Yeah. And then the third point, if you want to make an effort in this area, is simply that, to just try. I think um, a lot of women just don't make an effort, whether it be with their makeup or their clothing, because of going back to these underlying fears. And I think to illustrate, I've got an example of um, this one story. I did a makeup lesson for this um, somebody who was – close to me and she asked for a makeup lesson and I was like sure okay so I do makeup lessons often yeah but then at the end she was getting teary and I was like oh geez it's just makeup like calm down but no I didn't mean to like dismiss it but then she was quite serious and I was like oh what's up she's like oh I think now I'll I'll probably try I'm gonna hope this means I can try more and I said what do you mean she was crying by this point, then I realized it was serious. And then she had shared that, you know, Marianne, I actually never used to make an effort because, or try, because that was my excuse as to why I look this way. Really? Because I didn't try. Whereas now I'm scared that if I make an effort and I actually try and I'm still not beautiful or I'm still not good enough, and then what? That's yeah. harder to accept. Wow. So... Yeah, right, Karen? Like here I was thinking it was just makeup or just playing. But, you know, I feel like even working with women in makeup has exposed a sense of vulnerability that people have been opening up to me in this area. And that really struck a chord with me and really ignited my passion as to why I love what I do so much that a lot of women can get very intimidated by these seemingly perfect images on social media of really – I mean, this makeup that's just a bit overwhelming. I mean, some people love that and that is all good. I'm not saying anything bad about that. But for some women, that is overwhelming and it can be intimidating to try. So my third point is just to try. I released an episode um, last week on even spending two minutes Like that two minutes could just be putting on a moisturizer that nourishes your skin so that it doesn't look so dry throughout the day or that you feel like a bit more life. It's just almost because that two minutes or that five minutes you can invest in yourself is a form of self-care, the form of nourishing yourself so that you can nourish others. Absolutely. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mary Ann. She's a beautiful soul and I was really excited to reconnect with her after many, many years and bring this episode to you. Straight after I finished recording Mary Ann's interview, I then jumped on her podcast and did an interview on discovering our genius zone. So if you'd like to check that episode out, head on over to Mary Ann's podcast, Live Beautifully, and take a listen. If you've liked what you've heard on the Genius Podcast, please leave a review 
review and share the link with your friends. It helps to get the word out there. Until next week, we hope you have a beautiful week and God bless you.